Hi, this is Kev Legs Walker, and you are about to hear a podcast of an interview that appeared on Shades of Blues here on The Cat. And there will be plenty more as we delve into the archives. Sit back and enjoy. I'm delighted to say I'm now joined on the phone all the way from France by Dick Banovitz. Hello, Dick, are you well? Yes, I'm fine, thank you. How are you doing? Um, well, at this moment in time, at the time we're recording this, it's scorching outside. Um, oh, really? <laughs> yes. Good. Uh, I mean, obviously, when this goes out on air, we'll probably be moaning that it's too cold, but that's how we are. <laughs> yeah, we'll be, we've been sweltering here as well, actually. Uh, yesterday, we had about 35 degrees, I reckon, uh, and it was quite humid. But there was a, a big thunderstorm last night, so that's all cleared off, and uh, it's a bit cooler today. Excellent. So You're a bit of a, an enigma, according to the blurb that I've been reading, because... Uh, you grew up in Chicago, but you were born in Scotland. That's right, yeah. So what took you to America? Was that family or was that your... Well, it was family, yeah. My father was uh, from Yugoslavia. And uh, after... Uh, well, I'm, I'm one of the just after the war babies, you know. So, uh, yeah, he, 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 he was from Yugoslavia. He, he fought the Germans. He was in a German prisoner war camp. And he couldn't go back to Yugoslavia, so he went to Britain where he met my mother, who was Irish. Uh, and then after that, the whole, the whole family moved across to Chicago. I suppose looking back on it now, you are grateful that you ended up in Chicago because of the music. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's yeah, I mean, it was a long time ago I left, though. It was '65 uh, when 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 we left. Um, so yeah, I mean, there was there was loads of music all over the place. I mean, the radio was in particular radio and and the records that we listened to, you know. There was a lot of 78s, 33s had just not long come in. Uh, yeah, so we were listening to everything. My mother was like really fond of people like Mario Lanza, uh, Seamus Innes, the you know the, the uh, Irish piper, uh, and Glenn Miller in particular, Jim Reeves, all that kind of stuff. And on the radio, there was there was all the blues, country music that you could you, you could imagine, you know. So um, yeah, there was just musical you know, music all the time. Were you old enough to actually go and see any of the artists perform? No, 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 no. You know, I left in '65, so I never saw any. You know, any, any. I didn't see any live concerts there. I don't think. No, actually. I mean, you hear stories of people playing on street corners and things like that. So you know, maybe. Well, yeah, so probably bumped into you know, so God knows who, you know, <laughs> um, you know, on the street. But we lived on we lived on west west of Chicago. So well, you, people get confused about Chicago. They call it you know, it is a blues town, but it's also an Irish town. You know, because when I was there, uh, the mayor was Irish. Uh, all the police were Irish. They dyed the Chicago River green every year. Big Irish parade, you know. So we didn't go down to the South Side, you know, that often, really, you know. Mm. Um, so it was, it was. I suppose it was quite segregated, really, at the time. And thinking about it, you know, the, you know, the, the South Side was was where all the, you know, the Negroes were, and we were kind of like in the West, you know. So it was, it was, um, it was. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, a difficult, uh, difficult to remember back that far. But you know, the school I went to was was really kind of multi multinational. I mean, there was everybody that was there, you know. Uh, so, it, you know, my class was all sorts of folk from the United States, from Kentucky, from Alabama, from from Chicago, from Korea, from Germany, from uh, from Yugoslavia, from Britain. You know, there's a class of about 30, all, all from different places, you know. 
So uh, it was very, very multicultural. So what was it that inspired you to take up the guitar? Then? Was it something in particular that you heard on the radio or just the environment? Uh, it, was, it was the environment, I, I suppose. Really, yeah, something I heard on the radio. I mean, I love the guitar. Uh, my father started me off on the accordion and I couldn't stand it, you know. Uh, and also, I mean, at that time as well, I mean, the, you know, the 50s and 60s, you know, it was, you know, everybody was, you know, was wanting to play a guitar, you know, particularly a red electric, a real, real Gretsch or something, you know. So everybody was, uh, you know, wanting to be a guitar player. Uh, I was really fond of the sound of um, acoustic guitars. So, yeah, I just pushed and pushed and pushed. And finally, my, my old man relented and got me a guitar. And I put the accordion away and never, never touched it again, you know. <laughs> You've not been tempted then. Yeah, well, I was actually, to be quite honest. I actually, uh, there was an English guy here a few years ago, and he had an accordion, and he, he, he said he'd sell it to me for 50 euros, so I bought it. Uh, and uh, I started playing it a wee bit again, you know, but, you know, I hated it. <laughs> 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 I just couldn't get on with it, you know. Just can't get on with these things. Well, I mean, the right hands, they're, they're wonderful instruments. You may listen to Flacco Jimenez. You know, a lot of great Scots players as well. You know, it's it's, it's, a, it's a European instrument, a Mexican instrument. It's beautiful. Yeah, but I, I can't get on with it at all. Well, yeah. you, you might be able to incorporate it into a future song just in the background. Well, I have done, actually. Uh, on my In Transit album, I, I play, play one note on the bass, uh, which kind of drones underneath the, the first track, which is actually called In Transit. There's accordion holding all that together. Just one note, you know? Right. I mean, I, I couldn't play two notes because I just, I just screw it up. So <laughs> <laughs> just kept with the one, like, you know? <laughs> well, you mentioned Scotland there, and then when you left Chicago, you went back to Scotland. Um, yeah, we went. We went through. Um, yeah, we basically went, moved moved to England for a little bit because my my mother had relations there. We sort of stayed with them for a bit before before I moved up to Scotland. Yeah, uh, but that was interesting as well because uh, my brother in law at the time he was he was a guitarist and he was he was into the shadow. We're talking about nineteen sixty six, sixty seven now, uh, and he was into the shadows. You know, so uh, he was the one that really got me kind of you know. He showed me A minor and D minor, and you know, uh, and got me to sort of strum along with rhythms while he tried to play like Hank Marvin, you know. So he was, that was quite instrumental in getting me going there. Yeah, and afterwards, uh, I just I got into ragtime blues. Uh, Arlo Guthrie was a great favorite. I listened a lot to people like James Taylor as well, uh, Crosby, Stills and Nash, uh, anything that had an acoustic guitar in it, really. You know, and I just kind of worked away at that. But it was really kind of blues, ragtime blues, country blues that really got me, you know, the picking style that really got me going, you know. Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking when you were saying you you were listening to The Shadows or your brother-in-law got you into The Shadows. From that to the finger-picking style, I was wondering how that transition happened. I don't know. Actually, I'm just trying to think, think back that far. It's just kind of, you know... I, it was just listening to people like, you know, Big Bill Brunsey, you know, he wasn't using a plectrum, you know, it was just, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. You know, how did, you know, how did they do it, you know? Uh, I don't know, just any guitarist of my generation would have had dozens of books, you know? Uh, I mean, I had Bert Whedon's Play in a Day, oh, you yes. know? <laughs> yeah, you remember that, yeah? Oh, yeah. And, uh, you, know, uh, you know, sort of worked my way through that kind of stuff, you know, with plectrums and what have you. 
uh, what else was it? There was a Frederick Node as well. It was a uh, kind of Spanish guitar uh, teacher. Uh, uh, yeah, so his book was all about sort of Spanish flamenco style guitar. So I got into that for a bit, but I got I got really tripped up on on all the you know actually reading notation, you know. Uh, and then the Happy Triumph came out with this stuff as well, you know. That was in tablature, so uh, you know um, it was a homespun, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and that, uh, that that was all in tablature, so I could actually work my way through all these pieces, you know. And uh, and then it's just kind of like fitting all those techniques into songs that you know, and you know, it was yeah, it's been a long journey. Yeah, and <laughs> because of your finger picking style. You were in the name of almost blind boy Banovich. Well, that was yeah, that was really <laughs> in the Glasgow days. You know, we used to go down. Cause I was living up in the northeast of Scotland. I was living up uh, by uh, Inverness, of Forest, in fact. Uh, well, I started. I started a, a club up that way as well, just just to get musicians up there. In fact, so you know, uh, we started the Forest Folk Club, which was between Aberdeen Folk Club and Inverness Folk Club. You know, and it fell on a date. Where any guitarists or any musicians that were doing the folk scene could, could uh, you know, could come and 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 play and stay stay with us, you know. So we we had people like Joanne Kelly that were there, Wiz Jones a lot, Dick Gorkin, you know, and all these people were, were staying at our house. So you know, when when they got back after the gig, it was never like good night, you know. So we'd be up till God knows how long all playing, you know. So you know, I learned a lot from that. And then Glasgow was a just a wonderful musical situation it's a west coast town you know like liverpool so you have all sorts of wonderful musicians um but the best part of about it was that on, like on a saturday afternoon you would have um sessions of you know you know like what irish sessions but it wouldn't just be irish it would be kind of bluegrass uh people playing the bagpipes you know uh blues my mate Dave Dick was a great slide player, still is actually. Uh, Angus Aird, Eddie Reader, uh, all kicking around on on a Saturday afternoon, all sort of singing songs and everybody playing together. So uh, I must have had some kind of something, you know, that somebody one day turned around and says, "Oh, it's like, oh, nearly blind boy Banovich, almost blind boy, huh? Because you pick like that, you know." So uh, yeah. One thing in the notes that I've been going through for this, you're described as a road-weary musical troubadour. Now, I can understand... Who, 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 the, who, who described me as that? I don't know, but I mean, road-weary, yeah, obviously you've travelled a lot, but that makes yeah, you sound well, a bit yeah. sort of, um, I don't know, despondent. No, I mean, you, you go through... I mean, you, I mean, I've been doing it now for 40-odd years, you know, so you, know, you go through times when you're kind of... It's like anything else you do, you know? when you're really up for it and other times I've got to, you know, I've got to go and do this gig, you know, but, uh, it's, you know, as you get older, it gets tiring as well, you know, but I wouldn't swap it for the world. You know, I mean, I've, this last four or five years here in France, I've been virtually everywhere in France playing, you know, brilliant festivals, uh, blues clubs, folk clubs, just any kind of venue really, Yeah. you know, I've never seen called Cafe Cabaret here which is kind of like, you know, the proper concerts, you know, sit-down concerts in a, in a sort of bar-resto atmosphere. And, uh, yeah, it's great, you know, so... We've we've said on many occasions on various interviews that people come to see you and they see 
you performing and it looks glamorous and everything, but what they don't see is you humping the gear around at two o'clock in the morning. And uh, well, that's right. I mean, we've got uh, we, we've got a sort of little camper now, so that's that doesn't happen so much. You know, if I'm doing gigs within an hour or or two hours, you know, then then I'll load up and I'll come back. But otherwise, you know, we just load the van up and then we just sort of you know we just sort of sleep there on the spot. You know. Yeah. So uh, you know that way as well. You know, you've you've got some really beautiful areas where you're you're. You know, you're either in the mountains or you're, you know, by a river or some some wonderful place. You know, so that kind of makes up for all the all the kilometres that you're doing on the road. You know, because it is tiring. Yeah. You know, anybody who says it's not is either very young or very stupid. I think. You know? <laughs> the list of places you've performed at: you've got Britain, Europe, Scandinavia, the States, and West Africa. Now. As far as I can recall, in all the interviews I've done, I've never seen anybody list West Africa as one of the regions. <laughs> well, that was, that was a corker, actually. <laughs> I was, um, that, that came through, it was in the 1980s, and it came through uh, a chap called Duncan Henry, who was running an agency called Moondance Agency. I mean, later on, he went, he went off to uh, organize the Aberdeen Alternative Festival. So well, I'm talking about probably 84, 83, 84, when he was running the agency. Uh, and I got a phone call. He used to get me loads of, you know, loads of gigs in Aberdeen. I mean, uh, I mean, gave me a support for you know, hot chocolate and, uh, and various other weird sort of gigs. Uh, and he says, uh, hey, hey Dick, do you, do you fancy going off to West Africa? And I go, well, yeah, yeah, that sounds really nice. Sir. What you got in mind? Uh, he says, there's one thing about it, though. I says, well, what's that? He says, uh, you have to wear a kilt and sing Scottish folk songs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I thought, yeah. And I, thought, <laughs> I said, well, you know, Duncan, you know what I do. You know, I kind of do, you know country blues, blues, some of my own stuff and all that kind of business, you know. And, uh, you know, I can tell you sort of five, or, I can give you five or six people here in Aberdeen who do Scottish folk music and they do it really, really well, you know. And he goes, well, I'm not asking them, I'm asking you. <laughs> and I said, well, Duncan, I can't do this, you know. You know, like a Bonnie Lassie, all that kind of business, you know. And he goes, uh, well, look, you know, he says, if you want to go to West Africa, he says, go and buy yourself a Corrie songbook. He says, get yourself a kilt, and off you go, you know? So uh, I thought about it, and, you know, I was about to go, no, you know, but I thought, well, why not, you know? You know, I've never worn a kilt, you know, and I, I managed to get one secondhand. It was a hunting Fraser. Actually, I, look, I, look quite, I thought I looked quite cool in it, to be honest with you. <laughs> and... Uh, and it was to, it was to play for the it was play for, to play for a J and B whiskey promotion in Libreville in the Intercontinental Hotel. So it's a big five star hotel, just you know, right on the beach. In fact, you know, uh, with all the all the French expats that were there. And, uh, and every night it was a it was like a burn supper because they had the uh, they had a chef from the George Hotel in Edinburgh. Uh, to cook a haggis every night. Uh, they had a piper from uh, British Caledonian Air, Air, Airways, which is, I think, that's, that's long gone now, Bical. But, uh, yeah, and he had his, you know, he had the full, you know, the full dress, you know, with the, that big bearskin hat thing, you know, that they wear. Yeah. Uh, and the pipes. So every night for 10 days, in fact, uh, they would have 
the restaurant full. It was, it was sold out every night, but 200, uh, 250, 300 uh, in this restaurant. And we, I would go around. Well, I asked for a PA, and when I got there, it was, uh, it was a little radio with, with a gooseneck mic. <laughs> so there was nowhere could I plug into a PA because they didn't actually have one. Mm. So I had my old Guild D35 at the time, which was quite a powerful acoustic guitar, you know. So I just wandered around the tables singing, you know. It was it was an interesting experience. <laughs> yeah, so, the, you know, every night the haggis would be piped in. So, you know, we'd have the piper out front, and then the, uh, the chef with his white hat and all that kind of stuff, uh, holding the, the, the haggis above his head, me behind him with a, uh, an acoustic guitar. And every night there would be a guest of honor. And we would present the haggis to them. And I remember the first night we did it, you know, and the, the, the two others, you know, the other piper and the the chef turned around and said, well, who's going to address the haggis? Dick, can you do it? I go, no, I don't know how to do that, you know. Uh, and, the, and the piper goes, well, I can't do it, yeah. The chef goes, well, I don't know how to do it either. So what are we going to do, you know? So, <laughs> you know, the haggis is there. They all speak French. We were speaking in English. They couldn't understand a word we were saying, you know. So uh, we went, I had a humpty, tumpty, I had a huddle, and we stabbed the thing with a, with, 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 a, with a knife, you know, and poured ourselves a dram, you know, and then the whole place went wild, didn't they? Cause, you know, uh, and that just kept happening every night, but the drams got bigger every night, you know, Brilliant. Uh, and then the manager of the hotel, he wanted to get in, in on the act as well, so uh, he, he borrowed a kilt off of somebody, and then he was, you know, there was the, the there was the piper, and then the haggis, and then me with the guitar, and then the manager in a kilt behind with a bottle of J and B whiskey above his head, like <laughs> it was a scream, you know. And uh, we we played for the uh, we, we we did this uh, the, the president of of, of uh, Bongo, his name President Bongo of Gabon, where we we presented the haggis to him and uh, and the chief of police and all sorts of weird things, you know. I was sad to leave. Actually, I had a ball. I had a, had a ball yeah, you know? it sounds. Yeah, um, there wasn't exactly the blues. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Strange things happen on the road. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, going back to the blues. I mean, you are quoted in saying that the blues is a fact of life. Is do you still believe that? Yeah, I do. I think. Yeah, I mean, also, yeah. But I, I, mean, I hear I hear the blues in, in in all sorts of music because for me, it's not just about the twelve bar. It's not about the keys you play in. It's about the emotions that the, that the music actually carries, you know. So uh, I could hear blues in country music. I could hear blues in Irish music. I could hear blues in, you know, in, in a lot of music. So, you know, it's the lyrical content and the emotion that the, the thing... I mean, Fado, you know, is, is Portuguese blues. I mean, there's, no, there's no two ways about it. I mean, that's all it's sort of the same, you know, they sing about the same thing as, 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 as bluesmen sing, you know. The music of today, if you trace it back, 99.9% of it will come from blues or that kind of music, folk music. Well, that's right, yeah. Because, I mean, we, I, I suppose in a lot of ways, our, uh, you know, our concept of the blues begins with the first recordings of it, you know? Mm. So, but, you know, there was hundreds of years beforehand in the United States where you had all sorts of musicians from all sorts of cultures that, that had mixed you know, if you think about the 1600s, 1700s, 1800s, you know, you would have had African musicians, you know, playing with Irish musicians, because musicians tend to gravitate together and play together, you know. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you would have had Irish musicians playing with black musicians. You would have had a whole series of types of, 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 of music that we, we, we don't know about these days. 
but you know there would have, there would have been popular music dance music there would have been you know all sorts of stuff French people playing with 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 blacks well over the occasion don't you occasion and zydeco yeah. yeah yeah I mean that's that's a good example of it you know uh, that's not very far from bluegrass that's not very far from you know it's not very far from uh, country music it's not very far from blues really mm. you know. The show that I do is called Shades of Blues because it's not just Chicago blues or Memphis blues. There's a whole variety of it out there. And this year, I've been interviewing people around the world, and you've got people from Brazil, Japan, or wherever, who put their own little spin on it. Well, that's right, yeah. I mean, it's certainly a popular music here in Europe, though. I mean, it's, you know... I mean, France has got its 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 blues players, its blues scene. Italy's got you know, uh, you, former Yugoslavia, Croatia, Serbia. Uh, Anna Popovic, you know, she's you know she's Serbian. And Spain is Spain is full of blues. Well, I live in the west of uh, northwest of France, so we we just get on the on the on the highway here. Twelve hours later, we're down in in the the, the Basque part of Spain. You know, uh, and if you go there, you don't hear any Spanish music. You don't hear any Basque music. You you, you hear. You hear blues, mm. blues everywhere in Spain. It's it's quite it's quite incredible. The only time we've heard Spanish music in Spain has been in a Chinese supermarket. <laughs> Another thing you do, which uh, a lot of people that have spoken to over the years, they do as well as a, a form of paying back almost, is you run guitar workshops. I haven't done any many since I've since uh, I've been here in France. I did one or two. I did a series of that. Uh, actually, it was four. I think I did. Um, because the French are kind of very, if, if you're if you're if you're teaching, they, they want formal teaching, right? Um, you know, workshops isn't you know is, isn't really a formal way of, of teaching or a formal way of learning anything, you know. So it, they they weren't particularly successful, I think. But I used to do loads in in the UK. I mean, in, in Scotland, I was forever doing guitar workshops. Also, kind of like you know, there seemed to be a package. You know, sometimes if you did like the Edinburgh Blues Festival, you do a workshop along with it. You know. Spider would be doing a harmonica workshop and there'd be other people doing workshops and whatever, you know. I used to do workshops in, in guitar. I used to do workshops in Celtic guitar. I used to do uh, workshops in blues guitar. And the, the last ones I did, I think, were about year 2000, 2001 when, in Devon when I was uh, living there. Right. Uh, but here in France, no, I, I haven't done many. I've been trying to get some of the festivals interested in doing it. Um, but it's not really, I don't know, they'll have, a, they'll have a, maybe a master class, but not really a, a, a workshop in the sense of, you know, p- people all sitting around and swapping ideas. Mm. There'll be somebody there who's actually performing. Uh, it, basically, it's a, it's a wee concert, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and then somebody can ask him questions and they'll show you how to do something, you know? So that's not really what my idea of a workshop is, but uh, yeah, so, well, it, it, you know, there's something happening anyway, that's for sure, yeah. Well, when you were doing the workshops, was there any moment where one of the other participants did something and you think, oh, that's good, I'll use that? Um, well, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was, I mean, there was a lot of good players, you know? I mean, you know, you know yourself, I mean, some of the best players, you know, they play in their bedrooms, don't they? They play yeah. in their living room, you know? They don't, they don't go out and do this mad thing that, you know, the rest of us do, you know? Yeah, so there's always, you know, somebody's coming to learn something. But, you know, if you, if you do a workshop and you've got a closed mind, and if you say that, well, you know, I'm the best or whatever, you know, so everybody's here to learn from me, then, you know, you failed straight away, yeah. you know? Because the you know the the idea is to swap, 
You know, I mean, I've, yes, I've seen myself ask, well, how do you do that? Oh, right, okay. You know, it's because I'm interested in learning. But the, you know, the, the secondary you know, sort of thing about that, it boosts people's confidence as well. You know, if, if they can show you something, you know, and yeah. you're the guy that's in the workshop, I mean, that's, that's, they feel great about that, you know. We're talking because you very kindly got in touch and uh, sent me the link to your new album, or latest album, I should say. That's getting some good reviews all around the place, isn't it? I'm so I'm happy with the reviews that I've got from it. Yeah, I'm, I'm amazed actually. Uh, thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> Has this been on the back burner for a while, and you just thought you'd, you'd do it because of the situation last year, or was it a labour of love? Well, the, the the album, no, it was, yeah. It was, yeah, it was. I went through a period of not not actually wanting to record anything for a long time, you know, and uh, you, the same as everybody else, I suppose, found studios a bit too expensive, you know, back in the day. You know, and now you can get your own gear. You can, you know, you can you can do you know things um, in in you know in your own time in your you know in your own in your own home. You know, so the last five years, I think there's been about four albums that have come out, uh, and you know, some are better than others, and some tracks are better than others. And but the the whole thing for us here is it's a it's a very uh, uh, self-contained thing. You know. Um, We've got all the gear up the stairs. We just put a day aside. We record something. It either works or it doesn't work. Or we keep at it because the song has got something or something worth working on. So we just keep at it until we get something right, you know? Well, that's the beauty of having your own studio, though. You don't have the pressures of a paid-for studio. We've got to get this done by 5 o'clock or whatever. Well, that's right, exactly. I mean, that's one of the reasons I stopped going to studios because I've got this thing called red light syndrome. Mm. Uh, I don't know if, if, you, if you've got that as well. You know, you're sort of like you're doing a wee sound check. You know, everybody's getting the balance and all that kind of stuff. And uh, you're playing it way perfectly. And they go, right now we're going to record it. Punch the red, you know, the red light comes on and it all goes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's, that's really helped with, you know, with, with that, you know, because... You just take your time and you just keep doing it until you get it right, you know. Yeah. Because you know, a live performance is always is always something that you know that gets fluffed up or whatever, you know. Uh, but it passes. Well, on a recording, obviously, you know, it, it you know you've got to be a bit more careful. You can't you can't uh, you can't have the fluffs that you can you can have on a live. We were saying just before we started the interview that you're touring at the moment. You've got gigs up and down the place. So has the recording gone on the back burner while you do that, or are you still doing bits in between? No, I mean, basically it goes, it goes on the back burner. Yeah, we did one uh, last winter, which was the, the, the run to you. Uh, the winter before we did In Transit, uh, so that's 2020, 2021. 2018 we did Hot Cooking Mama. Uh, and then two, uh, 2014, I think, wasn't it? it was, uh, 2015 was called just Acoustic Roots and Blues, it was called. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's more ideas coming out now as well. So you know, we, we plan you know plan to get back to it, probably around about January time. You know, in Brittany here, the weather, you know, the winters are pretty pretty horrid. You know, there's a lot of rain, a lot of you know, it's dark, rainy, uh, windy. So you know, we tend to stay in more. And, oh, uh, you could use that as inspiration for a song. Well, we have done. There <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you go. <laughs> I get the blues when it rains. <laughs> Thank you so much for getting in touch, and we'll have to do this again sometime. Well, thanks, thanks a lot. You know, I've just been rambling here. You know, it's really, really <laughs> strange. I mean, you start, you start, uh, you know, 
you know, doing an interview about blues and I end up talking about sort of, you know, James Brown. Where was a bit bizarre, really. But, uh, no, no, it's, uh, wonderful, wonderful stuff. Uh, like I said, we will have to do this again. If you are going to be recording over the winter, give us a shout when you've got the new one out. I will do, yeah. Well, thanks very much for, um, well, for your time. Yeah, it was nice speaking to you too. And I hope you enjoyed that little interview there. And there will be more as we record more for the show. And we are going to delve into the archives and pull some of the old ones out as well. So plenty more to come. And of course, if you want to hear the whole show, there is always Listen Again. I'll see you next time. Take care.